It's time for InsureTalk with insurance industry tech geek and Guidewire chief evangelist, Laura Drabik. In this podcast series, we don't just talk about innovative ideas in PNC insurance. We talk with industry trailblazers about the big ideas they made happen and how they did it. If you're looking for insights on the trends and technologies reshaping the industry, an all-new InsureTalk starts now. Welcome to InsureTalk. I'm Laura Drabik, Chief Evangelist at Guidewire. In this special episode, we're revisiting some of the expert insights shared by insurance industry trailblazers who appeared on the show during the second half of 2023. From digital transformation to generative AI to insure tech ecosystems and beyond, it's the perfect way to say farewell to 2023 and get inspired for the year ahead. What used to take 50 years for a change, now it's happening in five years, and it's going to speed up even more from five to one year. And that basically means we all have to embrace change. Partha Srinivasa, CIO of Erie Insurance, was the guest of honor for InsureTalk Season 4 premiere back in September. And people want more digital, more personalization, and etc. And with many insurance companies still dealing with their legacy, it's tough to do when your customer needs are changing. With more than two decades of experience as a C-suite leader in the insurance industry, Partha has earned widespread recognition for his digital and data prowess. Earlier this year, he and his team helped longtime Guidewire customer Erie Insurance get ranked number one in J.D. Power's 2023 Claim Satisfaction Survey. The topic of our conversation, how Erie combines digital and the human touch to streamline the claims experience. It's above all in service. Our goal is not to replace humans. It's more about augmenting our humans to become smarter. So when we use digital and AI and things like like that we are augmenting those technologies with the human touch to make it better and smarter so we can provide those things in a quicker way and a better way. I couldn't agree more. I feel like it's almost a pivot from AI to IA, intelligence augmented, and being able to have that employee supported in the right way at the right time through these experiences. So well put. I love it when you say that when people ask me, what does AI mean to you? I say, for me, AI doesn't mean artificial intelligence, but it means augmented intelligence. And it's more about how do you apply the technology to augment the human brain to become smarter. Partha, can you share with us your strategic imperatives for moving to Guidewire Cloud? Our cloud journey was about speed and agility. Number one, how can you provide more capabilities to your customer in a lot quicker way? What does that mean? One of the biggest challenges in the industry for a long time has been integration. You buy a product X and a product Y, and it takes a long time to integrate. Now, wouldn't it be cool when we have all of these things pre-integrated? So by a click of a button, it's done. I think that's powerful. And I think those are the things what we're trying to see in the new world of cloud is an ecosystem of partners. And if all the ecosystem of partners are seamlessly integrated by a click of a button, it'll be perfect. And cloud can provide that capability because of the common way of doing things. So Partha, congratulations on your Claim Center Cloud Go Live earlier this year. Thank you very much. Thank you. Any input you can share with us? It is a blessing. I mean, and the entire industry is looking into cloud and trying to move from their on-prem world to the cloud world in some way or fashion. Some are still in on-prem, some are migrating to cloud, some are already there in the cloud. We were fortunate to start our cloud journey 
And uh, obviously, you know, we have we've had a very successful rollout of our claim center on the cloud, which has a lot of value. So when we talk about from a user perspective, when we launched it, we made sure that the impact or agents were minimal. As a matter of fact, many of our agents didn't even know there was an impact. So our goal was to make sure that we don't have any outages. We get the better performance than what we used to get, or at least minimally the same performance, if not the better performance. And I'm proud to say that we did not even have a single outage. We have better availability now, better performance, and obviously minimal impact our users. So I'm very proud and it's an amazing accomplishment by our teams to get that there. That's incredible. I love how you highlighted, you know, the improved availability, stability, performance, no outages. And then you threw in there that some of the users didn't even know that there was this migration happening behind the scenes. Congratulations again. That's just exceptional. Thank you, Laura. Thank you. Any words of advice to share with your fellow carriers who are looking to migrate into cloud? Many times what happens is people get carried away by innovation with some key buzzwords, AI or chat GPT or machine learning. And we always want to watch the, the key technology trends that are happening. But our approach for innovation is more about practical innovation. How does that innovation impact us? What problem are we solving? And then apply technology to it. And that's the approach we have taken successfully for quite some time. So when we talk about success factors, the most important important thing is to be known as the number one in the industry by JD Powers for claims, right? Factory claims processing. I think that's claim satisfaction and property and being named number one. Those are something we are not only proud about, but it also puts a lot of accountability for us because now the bar is pretty high and we had to make sure that we retain it and continue to provide the type of service our customers or agents are expecting from us. The success is more about what we want to achieve and what we want to retain. And I think that's the key here. Generative AI, it is a form of artificial intelligence capable of generating entirely new content. Think about text, audio, images, video, code, and more. And it's all based on the inputs that it's trained on. In PNC, the potential use cases are endless. Generative AI can coach agents through the sales process for complex products like cyber, summarize submission data to streamline underwriting, analyze synthetic claims information to identify opportunities for new lines or recommend modifications to existing ones. And the list goes on and on and on. So it's still early days, but Property Casualty 360 reports that 40% of insurers in the US and nearly 30% of insurers in the UK are actively using Gen AI in their business processes. In our October 24th episode, we get down to brass tacks with two widely respected industry experts about the massive opportunities and profound challenges that come with what some are calling the most consequential technology of the next decade. The journey to Gen AI powered insurer is definitely on at most carriers. Anand Premsunder, global insurance data and AI lead at Accenture. Most top carriers today have started to build business-driven proof of concepts, right? Early stage prototypes. Some of them are starting to go into production and they're across distribution, marketing, underwriting, claims, customer service, and even some enterprise operations like technology, finance, HR processes, and so on. On average, we see five to 10, 15 use cases in pilot at top commercial carriers. 
this is a clear step up from existing AI-led transformation that most carriers have been on for the past few years. Lastly, most large carriers are setting up larger COEs that will be governed centrally. So assuming a carrier is operating on a modern insurance platform, I don't know, like Guidewire, there's another crucial aspect to considering use cases for Gen AI. At Accenture, for instance, its core philosophy around AI has always been centered on combining AI with the human touch. Anon, with Accenture set to invest $3 billion to enhance its ability to leverage Gen AI and other forms of AI, talk to us about your firm's belief that AI isn't about replacing humans, it's about empowering them. Why is this important? It's our core philosophy, and Gen AI has only enhanced belief. Just to give you an example, all of us have felt the pressure of pace, a job done well enough to pass master, but at the back of our mind, most of us are second-guessing the decisions we make because we didn't have enough information at our disposal or we didn't have the time needed to make the best decision we could. Gen AI, especially for the knowledge workers, so think underwriters, agents, claims handlers, empowers the human to make better decisions, power by insights that can be sourced and interpreted from a variety of sources within a very short span of time, thereby empowering the knowledge worker to use the power of Gen AI. I think what surprised me was how quickly not just generative AI, but all AI techniques became the subject of discussion at the highest levels of the leadership. Amy Mullen, Vice President of Product Management at Guidewire. When you talk to the C-suite, this is the thing that is top of mind. The acceleration in terms of how people are looking at this as a key technology has been truly incredible. And I think it's really due to that notion of it becoming real. When OpenAI had a public interface, all of a sudden everybody understood in a real, tangible way, this is what we're talking about. And I can see how I might use this and apply it to my business to help us grow, to help us be more efficient, or even even to help my knowledge workers maybe focus on the tasks that are more interesting, engaging, and frankly, more valuable for them. From an infrastructure perspective, what do insurers need to think about before they even get to a conversation about identifying and implementing the most compelling cases for Gen AI? I think the biggest word that comes to mind is transparency. The infrastructure needs to be designed so that it's clear to everyone who's running it and using it what AI is being used and for what purpose. The humans who are running the system, both the infrastructure as well as the end users, need to understand and have visibility into what kinds of data were used to train the model or models, what guardrails are in place in terms of what responses are provided, and how they can monitor and audit results. I believe that the people who do this most effectively over time will be the ones that design their infrastructure for transparency from day one and are proactively monitoring, managing it, and updating it over time for quality. That's why that notion of the COE, I think, is so important. You really need to be thinking about these things ahead of time rather than getting into it and trying to re-engineer the infrastructure for them later. We'll continue this rewind on some of InsureTalk's biggest insights from the second half of 2023 after this short break. Digging InsureTalk with Laura Drabik? Be sure to subscribe on Amazon, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. While you're at it, rate the show on Apple Podcasts and let us know how we're doing. Now, let's get back to the show. Welcome back to InsureTalk. 
This is Laura Drabik, and we're listening to expert insights from the second half of 2023. Yeah, so I think the industry has struggled with the shift to digital because many have outdated and disparate technology and complex use cases such as multi-party payments for both auto as well as property, policy refunds, and other complex situations that occur in insurance. Ian Drysdale, CEO of OneInc, the leading digital payments network for the insurance industry and a strategic guidewire partner. In a November episode of Insured Talk, we explore how soaring customer expectations for speed and convenience have made digital payments capabilities a competitive opportunity for carriers seeking to boost customer satisfaction and enable next-generation operating models. Consumers now expect ease, convenience, greater speed, and more control. Look at Netflix, look at Amazon, look at Uber. When you use Uber, you don't even think about payments. It's completely 100% built in. In today's world, nobody wants to key a 16-digit card number, a five-digit zip code, a four-digit expiration date, a three-digit CVV from the back of the card. They want to use Apple Pay. They want to use Venmo. They want to use PayPal. They want to use Google Pay. And they want their payments to be resolved instantly. If you think of social media, can you imagine a world where somebody clicked on a like on Twitter or on Facebook or on Instagram and it took three days to show up? That would be crazy. Today, 85% of consumers prefer digital payment options like myself when transacting and 95% rate speed of settlement as the top factor for satisfaction. At the same time, out of $400 billion in claims disbursement made each year by PNC insurers, $300 billion is still by check. Like that to me is just mind blowing. Studies like one from payments show 66% of consumers say instant digital disbursements are key to their loyalty. So as an insurer, you'll either meet that demand or not. But you'll also have consumer segments now that might not even know how to make a non-digital payment. According to a recent survey from NerdWallet, at least half of all consumers 23 and under have never written a check and may never do so. So Ian, what does this mean just in terms of customer acquisition for insurers, not just in 2023, but in 2025 or beyond? Laura, what it means is that insurers must have the payment modalities that address all generational consumer needs, whether they are baby boomers or Gen Z. The insurers that can't modernize will lose share to entrance with a technology stack that was built from scratch, ready to serve the continually evolving demands of consumers. It's funny. I think about my daughter. She's a software engineer. She's 27. And when she was 17, she said to me, dad, how do I get my driver's license? I told her she had to go to the D. And she said, that's crazy. Where's the app? And I have three children who are Gen Z and they don't know what a check is. They don't know how to accept a check. They don't know how to write a check. And they're expecting to use modern payment modalities where they're not doing keying, where they're recognized by their face print or their fingerprint. And they can go on with their days seamlessly the same way they can with Uber or Venmo and so forth. I think about instant payments during a catastrophe, which is obviously a growing issue of climate change. And then there's also parametric insurance where an instant predetermined payout is tied to a predefined claims trigger. Example, a 20% reduction in crop yield due to drought or a category five hurricane, et cetera. What are your views, Ian, on parametric insurance and how might it fit within a carrier's digital payment strategy? Because there are predefined trigger mechanisms as far as payout is concerned for parametric insurance, it enables payouts to be made almost instantaneously versus a slow claim 
claims adjudication process. And think of natural disaster situations. We want to make sure that the claims process is as seamless as possible for the person affected. As soon as the data is pulled from a third-party source and verified in a third-party system, the payout is in a policies account instantly. Ultimately, it is an excellent complement to traditional insurance. So one of the big things that's happening globally in payments is payments are moving from batch to instant real time. So all over the world, this concept of having to wait two to three days for an electronic payment to settle is switching to real time payments, 24 by 7, 365, no holidays, no banker's days, payment in three seconds. And our view is that after a claim goes through through a parametric process and is approved that that amount can be paid instantly to the insured and greatly increase the satisfaction of all parties. Technology transformation is not a once and done. It's not a quick bolt on. You know, I think about it a lot like building a house. Lisa Wardlaw, North America Advisor for InsureTech Israel. So then you think of when we went digital, we were running on the treadmill. We sell premiums, we service claims. Yes, we have to have good customer experience. Like that's actually nothing new. The observation I had is that everyone took that treadmill and they were like, oh, we got to go digital. Let's make it go from a 1.0 on the treadmill to 2.0 or maybe to 2.5. What we really needed to do was say, let's get off the treadmill. We're at a point where insurers face new digital first challenges, as well as retailers and manufacturers moving into things like product warranties embedded directly into the purchase of their products. But as our guest on the October 11th episode of InsureTalk has said, identifying a specific problem and applying solution X will only get you so far. Real innovation isn't about looking at things as they are, but instead looking at what they could be or how they could be. Less tweaking, more rethinking. Let's think of like digital intake and someone will say, I just want to digitize the form. And someone's like, no, we should rethink the entire intake process. There's a totally different way to invent and reinvent the process itself. And many of the processes that we had were there in terms of the flow and the way it occurred because of the tools, the frameworks, etc. that were all we had at this time. But the tools that are coming out are dynamic, meaning they're not static. They're not point in time. Yet the piping that they're trying to connect into is static. So instead of rethinking the entire process to say, well, now how do we do something that's dynamic, ever fluid, not staying the same? We're trying to pump that hydraulic pressure into something that's static. And of course, Laura, as you can imagine, it, it, it just doesn't work. When people are on the treadmill and they're just trying to make it go faster, that's why. They're not doing anything inappropriate. They just haven't seen that there's another path that they could be taking that's not on that specific treadmill. You have to, for a moment, think through, how would I think about this in a different way? Thanks to consumer expectations set by big digital first brands like Netflix and Amazon, personalization at scale is becoming critical to our industry, delivering a consistent and contextually relevant experience throughout the insurance life cycle. So Lisa, what does personalization at scale mean to you? And what are some ways for insurers to achieve personalization at scale or even go beyond what we think of personalization at scale today? The first thing I would tell you is what it does not mean to me. And I, I would say that personalization does not mean taking an algorithm and reverting to the mean, which is, by the way, like what most air quote personalization algorithms are doing. Mm -hmm. If you think of user stories and you think of the 80-20 rule, and what all this is doing is saying, I'm going to identify something about you, and then I'm going to put you onto a track of commonality. That to me is by definition, not hyper 
personalization. That is saying you've got a lot of scenarios and you think somebody's going to fit one of those paths. Hyper-personalization to me means that you're not ever comparing me to somebody else's standard data flow or standard journey, that you would literally know meet my habits, my journey. I often use an example with Aura Ring. Like, let's take that as an example because I have one. I'm a big fan of it. I love checking my data in the morning, but I have a really good friend of mine who hates seeing her score because it makes her feel bad about herself. Hyper-personalization to me would mean that my Aura Ring app would know that I'm a metric measure person, it would flash it up to incentivize me, but it would know that my other friend feels bad about herself. So it would not show that to her. And instead it would say like, Hey, I want you to know that you did a great job or whatever. So it's how do we really know someone's psychological as well as their behavior patterns? When we achieve that, we will have achieved hyper-personalization. What is so important for women in any industry, but especially high tech, is finding your authentic personal identity. Well, you know, it's so huge right now. I mean, and Laura, I'll just take this moment to say, not only have I been fangirling you, but when I did my own personal board of people I admire, like you do a mood board, who do I want to be when I grow up? You were one of the first people I put on that board because your voice and who you were and how you created an evangelist role as a female in a tech company was just so important for me because we believe we can be somebody when we see somebody being that. You cannot be what you cannot see. And so I think personal branding, creating your point of view and owning your point of view with clarity has never been not only more important, but it's never been more able to activate yourself, to send out the signals that you want the type of people, engagements, corporations, clients, colleagues, friends to reverberate back to you. So in the world that we're in, with digital, in the world that we're in with female leaders and tech, never has there been a better time to know exactly who you are, to know what you stand for, and then to edit the people and the companies that you bring credibility to in tandem with that point of view. On November 20th, we went into the weeds, so to speak, to gain perspective on the evolution of ensuring the cannabis industry. It's growing at 100% year over year. New states are opening up left and right. Michael Hall. Vice President of Cannabis Operations for Golden Bear Insurance. In 2018, there were about four or five companies nationwide who were involved in insuring cannabis. I think there were only six or maybe eight states that had legalized. We're up to 36 states right now. And so with that growth, I think it can support all of the new additions to the marketplace. It's one you definitely want to understand. The policy forms end up being pretty unique just based on the fact that you've got really a mix of an industrial and an agricultural exposure all happening indoors. I mean, some of the really large insurance carriers from Berkshire Hathaway to Progressive are writing cannabis insurance coverage now. So it's really evolved over the last 10 years into a, if not mature, maturing insurance marketplace. Cannabis-related businesses, or CRBs, have unique risk issues. They face inventory theft and vulnerability to fire from their own operations and wildfire when it comes to crops. There are also product liability issues for edibles, plus all the workers' compensation and real estate liabilities faced by agricultural and manufacturing businesses. But up and above all that, there is the threat of crime. Because cannabis is still a controlled substance at the federal level, access to banking in this sector is limited. An estimated 70% of CRBs remain all cash 
operations, posing significant safety and security risks for an industry moving more than $33 billion of cannabis in 2022. What are the most pressing risks associated with insuring CRBs in your view now and over the next few years as the market evolves? Cannabis in its really early days was a purely cash business. I mean, there's some ways around that. Different companies are getting access to banking. There's ways to move forward, but not anywhere near what you would think of or what resembles what traditional businesses have access to in terms of financial services and financial products. Now, cannabis is still a Schedule One drug. There's been some conversations about changing that scheduling to Schedule Three, and there's also some other legislation like the Safe Banking Act that would allow banks to bank cannabis businesses that are operating legally in their respective of states. We've got our eye close on what's coming out of that. Golden Bear went live with its claim center implementation in March of this year. Congratulations. You moved from an AS400 legacy system to a modern cloud-based solution. How has this move benefited your claim staff as well as your policyholders? It's been really night and day in terms of the workflows that our adjusters and our claim support staff are using. I mean, the huge improvement in their efficiency by being able able to see everything in one place, being able to pass information back and forth. And that's only been since April and we didn't pull forward legacy data yet. And so over the last month or two, the data is really starting to fill up in there. We're starting to be able to draw insights out of that. It's still in our early days, but it's definitely been a huge improvement. I know personally, I'm very happy I don't have to go back into the old AS400 green screens to pull information anymore and I can get everything right at my fingertips. We hear that a lot from our customers. They, they really appreciate being able to access one system of record, which is, of course, Guidewire, and not having to flip back and forth between screens. Thanks for sharing. What can you share about metrics or how about some learnings you gained in your cloud journey so far and how might unifying the same kind of cloud-connected data and functionality with the policy side of your business further benefit your organization? I would say our big takeaway as Golden Bear in the journey for our, our cloud implementation was to take things off the shelf. We were really happy that we were able to finish our project a few weeks ahead of time at a few thousand dollars under budget. So that was really a praiseworthy thing thing for our, our internal team team. I mean, they did a, a fantastic job. And I think that the basis of that was understanding that they needed to figure out how to best align our current business practices with Guidewire while maintaining a relatively, you know, 90 plus percent out of the box implementation. We hope you've enjoyed this special edition of InsureTalk, featuring insights and inspiration from the second half of 2023. Because insurance industry innovation isn't just about ideas, it's about making ideas happen. Tune in next time for an all-new episode of InsureTalk with Laura Dravik, brought to you by Guidewire, the platform PNC insurers trust to engage, innovate, and grow efficiently. For more information, visit guidewire.com.